from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Mm-hmm. Beer facts. Beer facts. Fun. Shenanigans. Beer Fun. Wait, now it's somebody else's tagline, isn't it? I don't know. I like, There's this screen behind you. <laughs> oh, shit. That is our tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a pretty good uh, tagline, but I guess it's ours. So that, okay. Hi, well, high five to you, Casey. <laughs> Actually, I, I can't take credit for that one. I think Matt did that. Uh, okay. For those of you guys who don't know, Matt's a uh, resident graphics dude. Mm-hmm. Or dude-ski. All right, before we get too deep here, uh, ads. Uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Joining the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as, as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on them for a link of our homepage and join today. I'd also like to give out a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patron, uh, Andy Thompson. If you'd like to be as awesome as Andy and the rest of our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash Studios and become a patron today. You can also click on the patron link of our homepage at blindyourstudios.com. All right, and if you have any Amazon shopping, head over to blindyourstudios.com, click on the Amazon link of our homepage. Your Amazon shopping as normal. We get a bit of a kickback from Amazon, really helps us out. Brian. Yes? What have you been up to in beer lately? Man, uh, checking out and tasting the Oktoberfest that uh, we have in the tank. It's about 10 days into fermentation. Um, That's real quick. Yeah, uh, it hit 10, 11. Um, and I mean, if it's 10, 11 tomorrow, I'm going to cold crash it. Uh, there was a, a still a good, uh, a good bit of sulfur on Friday of last week. And as you're listening to this, we're, is a Thursday night. Uh, so a little bit less than a week that sulfur went away. We did in fact, and I think I talked about this on a past episode, but we went with the Imperial, Organic yeast. Uh, we went with a L17, and then when Casey and I were on the way over to the studio, he asked me if it made a difference if it was organic, and I was like, you know, like I said, the, I know I said the word organic in that, you know, in those three words, but I was like, you know, that's the last thing I care about. Well, yeah, but I don't. I, I need to know. Like it's. Yeah, it's, it's it, like, fair. I it's, understand you don't give a shit. I mean, we're talking I need about. To know. We're talking about yeast. For the next couple episodes, or the last episode in this episode. Well, actually, yeah. We're, 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 we're talking about yeast for the foreseeable yeast, future. We are in the yeasty know. woods. Right. And so, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. I never thought about it. I guess we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, well, when we have a chance to research it. Yeah. Oh, it feels like you should have done that, done your research before you, uh, well, before you, you used it. You didn't, well, I don't, I mean, I just heard good <laughs> things about it and. No one, no one ever brought up the organic n- nature of it before because I don't fucking care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that uh, just doing normal brewery things. Uh, like everybody at the brewery is out of town, and I'm the only person that knows how to run a forklift. So I've been kind of, yeah, I've been kind of stuck sitting around the brewery waiting for things and that happens being there at strange hours to do things. So. Uh, anyway, what about you, man? Oh, man. Uh, so you guys are going to hear, is it next week or the week after, uh, what I did last Friday uh, with uh, Mr. Richard Rowland was back in town. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we recorded an episode that uh, basically what I did is, and you guys, it, we'll go into more depth, but I don't think I told you, I made a mini mash out of eight, eight different crystal malts and uh, took, took the, the wart that came off of that and we did side-by-side comparisons, kind of going up the, up the rainbow of crystal. Ooh. <laughs> that was just such a funny sentence. The rainbow of crystal. Well, I don't know how else to double rainbow. Right? Yeah, no, it was actually. I don't know how else you put like, it either. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I. I actually. I learned a lot of interesting things about crystal that I did not know before. Like yes, I can't wait to listen to that one. Yeah. Uh, there. Yeah. I. I don't want to give any spoilers away. Uh, but then after that, we did a um, 50th anniversary lunar landing party. Which I missed because there was 900 things going on right. that day, god damn it. Uh, Carlos dressed up as a 1960s NASA employee, <laughs> uh, and it was absolutely delightful. I believe there's photos on our Facebook page about that. Uh, I dressed uh, basically like Hunter S. Thompson, uh, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I really I mean, hate missing parties here. We at the uh, studio. we we did a bunch of hot dogs and uh, had had coolers full. of... Actually, it was just a lot of Corona. We drank a lot. <laughs> oh, dude, it's been hotter than shit out. Yep, yeah. So we did we did that. Uh, we opened a couple of bottles out of the cellar and uh, did a shot when Armstrong landed on the moon. And Lovely. Yeah, it was a really good time. It was it was a delightful like tribute tribute. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've been up to lately, beer related. Um, we have a homebrew tasting, so that's exciting. Oh. Uh, this is wedding beer version three. Version two is the superior version, but uh, there was a mishap on uh, on launch night or uh, landing night, uh, and it uh, may or may not have drained into the bottom of the kegerator. Longtime listeners will know this is a reoccurring problem Son that I have. Of a bitch. Because so what happened was I started I, I started pouring it and I was like, this tastes sour. And I was like, oh shit, I just had two sours on right before and I didn't swap the lines. Mm. So I drunkenly swapped the lines and oh. didn't crank it down quite hard enough. Oh, and she uh, leaked and everywhere. She, uh, she leaked everywhere. She made a river of beer. Uh, well. Yeah, it was fun. And then a pool of beer. Oh. And then a bunch of sadness on Sunday. Oh. When I had to fish it out with the little scoop and (laughs) (laughs) this is my special scoop (laughs) well yeah i do have a special get it out of the kegerator scoop now oh god so uh yeah so uh reminders i have a recipe here if i can find it uh in my i have brewed a lot this year all right uh yes this is a wedding beer version three uh, nine pound. Uh, I suppose you guys want percentages. It's on my other laptop. Yeah, damn it, we won't bring that at all. Uh, I can get them. Hang on. Well, while we're at it, I if you're if you're watching the stream, we got the beer on beer cam. Uh, I am going to remove the beer from beer cam, uh, but I will say that as as per usual, these get poured. Um, you know, a, a t- a tenish minutes before yep. the show, uh, but I did pay attention to this. There's just there's a little bit of ring ahead around the outside of the beer, um, and so there wasn't much head on this. And I, if I'm not mistaken, there's peanut butter in this or whatever. Uh, or is this the extract? Extract. Hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pull it. Well, he's pulling up the yep. old recipe and taste it. I'm gonna smell it. Give it a whiff. A whiff ski. 
All right. I'm definitely getting peanut butter nuttiness. Yes. All right. Um, percentages. I got them now. Yay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, two, two, uh, 70% uh, two row. Okay. Uh, seven and a half percent flake corn. Uh, 4% C40. 4% DRC from Simpsons. Mm. Uh, a bit of acid malt in there. 2% um, Carafa 3. 2% Carafoam. And 2% uh, Simpsons Chocolate. Uh, and then the only hop addition was at 60 minutes, and I did 25 IBUs of Willamette. Uh, and then there were some water additions that we don't really need to talk about because that's not really applicable to anybody else but me. Right. All right. Um, so, yeah. And then so what I did differently with this one, because this is version 3, is I... I uh, used peanut butter extract instead of PB2. Yep. Um, and I really like the flavor that it gave me out of that versus the... Uh, I was going to say, I think the flavor is great on this. I think as, like, there's a... Uh, this body lack... Uh, the This beer lacks a little bit of body that I'm kind of yep. hoping for uh, or was kind of hoping for. But, like, the... So if that were a little bit more rich, I think it would push the peanut butter a bit more. But as a whole, the, I'm super happy with the peanut butter flavor. The peanut butter flavor, I think, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's it's you it's unique because you don't I mean you don't run into or I, rather I shouldn't just tell other people what they do you or don't do run not into. do I don't run into a lot of peanut butter beers and when I do they wouldn't go for it I mean we what I had a oatmeal stout at the bar before we came to the studio today because I saw you know Casey had it and I was like holy shit I haven't had a like a oatmeal good solid stout in a while oatmeal stout good solid dark beer in a while and I think. You know, maybe that's another thing that's contributing to my my want of a little more body in this beer. But yeah, anyway. um, yeah. So did that. Uh, yeah, and so like I bought the uh, the uh, what was it? The Brewer's Best peanut okay. butter extract. Yep. Um, on the thing, I so I had two five gallon batches, and I had one bottle, and it says use the entire bottle in five gallons, and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna do half. So I put half in each which I think is the right amount of peanut butter because it's not overwhelming. I think if I would have put the entire thing in there, I think it would have been too much peanut butter. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, some numbers here. Uh, OG was 1061. Uh, this one finished it out at 1010. The, so the V2, the one I liked better, I used um, Y-East California Lager. Mm -hmm. uh, that one finished out at... I'm sorry, this was 1062 and 1010. The other one was 1061 and 1012. You used a lager yeast on this? So it's a or, I'm sorry, sorry, a, sorry, sorry, Cal. Uh, no, yeah, I think it was the Cal. Was it Cal Common? Uh, Cal Common, yep. That, that was, was kind it. of a lager yeast. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hybrid lager yeast. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, yeah, so this one I used the Omega uh, London Ale. Okay. Um, and I don't remember. They have a number on it, but they only eh, have There's one, two, and three. It's, you yeah. know, whatever. They all, all three of them do. Well, do they have three? I thought Omega just had the one. Uh, oh, Omega? Oh, Omega. I thought you meant just like in general how many London strains. No, no, are no, no. There. Yeah. Omega. Yeah, Omega. London okay. Yeah. Well, if it's Omega, I'll bet you $5 that it's uh, London 3. Okay. Just, I mean, based on what I know about the, what they make those, you know, the, the hip juicy strains or whatever, which yeah. inevitably are, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. So, like, I. I don't know. Uh, Aroma-wise, I think it's I think it's good. Yep. Um, this one this one smells fine. 
It it tastes fine. It's not super Englishy. There's kind of a mineral quality, and yep. I'm not. I'm trying to like nail that down on and I'm getting it f- flavor and aroma, like um, maybe like copper. Yeah. Ish. I I don't know. Like I don't know if it's uh, the yeast. I don't know if it's. I can't tell. I yeah. Don't know. I'd have to. Um, really I don't know, but yeah. So the the I wish I had the two here so you could try it because it um, it heightens the peanut butter a little bit. Mm-hmm. The body's just a little bit more. It's a little sweeter. It's not it doesn't have that mineral characteristic. Yep. I'm much. I'm very. I'm very happy with that one. I like it nailed the and I so I had them both on tap and I had everybody uh, who was here on uh, on that Saturday try them side by side mm-hmm. and tell me which one they liked the best so I could get a. We had one person vote for three. Over two, so. right. Hmm. Anything else you'd like to add? Nope, no. I wish for more head retention, but yeah. What are you gonna do? I I do not know. Well, I well, mean, I think uh, you could help help with the body. It could probably add. Well, you know, uh, what what gives you more body, more head? I mean, I could up the mash temp some yep, more. That and then you know you could add. Oats, yeah, wheat, something like that to kind of beef it up. But then yep. I think that might push. I it think too. I think well, it might. Yeah, I think that might push your body too much. Also, this is supposed to be like a, a wedding day crusher, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if anybody's going to notice the head retention. Yeah, I suppose. All right, all right. Uh, well, what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about choosing the right yeast. Oh, we're continuing the yeast. Yes, indeed. All right, yeah. So the past two weeks, we've been talking about yeast biology and a bunch of uh, sciencey stuff. Now we're going to get kind of less sciencey and more um, arty. Well, I don't know. It's still kind of sciencey. Oh, All right. Yeah. So choosing the right yeast. Uh, you, uh, as we're going through this. Uh, we have seven criteria to keep in mind uh, that we need to uh, think about while we're choosing yeast. The first one is attenuation. And I feel like these are um, kind of in order. Order-ish. Kind of in order, and some some of them relate to each other in a sense. Yep, so attenuation. You want to know, do you want a um, a yeast that's going to attenuate like super high like eat up all those sugars give you that dry that dryness that you're looking for Mm -hmm. or do you want something that's going to be a little bit more uh like yeasty for lack of a better word right or yeah have more of those esters have more of uh well something something to complement like the bread character like at our Oktoberfest, for example i mean you're already going to get those maillard malts and and you know as it relates the that fat like bavarian lager strain is only going to add uh, bread quality, bready sort of quality to it. All right. Uh, then we want to uh, keep in mind our flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of flavors are you looking for from this yeast? Uh, then we want to look at our flock, our flocculation, mm-hmm. our flockity flock flock. I'm going to come up with a fun word for flocculation, even though that's already a fun word to say. Flockle. I'm just going to keep trying different words until one fits. Uh, you know how this works. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So flocculation. Do you want something that's gonna? You want something that's gonna make your beer, you know, hazy, yeasty? Like, are you looking for a hefeweizen, or are you looking for a crystal clear IPA, uh, the way God intended? Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, reliability of the supply of the yeast is huge. Um, like I can't get Australian, uh, sparkling ale yeast all year round. Mm. I have like a two month window where I can get that. So I'm not going to 
be able to get a do an Australian sparkling ale in like September. Um, the working temperature range, uh, especially if you don't have fermentation control, you need to be very aware of your ambient. Right. Like you don't want to do a lager in July. There's yeah, there's no point to throw in a lager yeast down there's no point of throwing down at lager yeast unless you've got temperature control you're wasting your time i disagree i feel like you could open a window in the winter and shove it up <laughs> you could do it brian <laughs> well i lived in a third second floor walk up in uptown and if i put if i cracked my window a couple inches and put two hoodies around the carboy and stuck it by the window it would ferment at 68 okay so you should have stuck it out on the balcony <laughs> With a couple of brew belts around like it, six more hoodies. Put around. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying where there's a will, there's a way. Uh-huh. Uh, the style of beer that you're that you're looking to make. Yep. Um, and then whether you want to use an ale or a lager mm-hmm. yeast. And I like I kind of like how that's at the end. Like you need to take all of these into account first before you decide like. Which which strain you want to use? Right. All right. Um. So yeast strain classifications. We're gonna look at the George Fix classification system. It's a system developed in 1997 for broadly classifying ale and lager yeast strains. Um. Yeah. So again, a lot of this information came out of the yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation. Um. Who wrote this one? This is Chris White. Yeah. And uh. Jamil. And Jamil is Zana Chef. Zana Chef. Yep. He's a zany guy. Uh huh. Um, yeah, so, uh, please grab that book, read that book. It's, it'll help. You're going to keep referencing it. All right. Um, so you want to, you want to take this first one here for us, Brian? Sure. So George Fix, he, he, uh, sort of devised a system for categorizing brewing yeast. Um, and then you, you can divide it in, you can divide yeast strains into five categories to kind of organize them in terms of, uh, flavor characteristic. Uh, so we're looking at ale yeasts, uh, which, you know, uh, most most breweries are, are doing ales because lagers. Yeah. So uh, the, the classification of ale yeast is Saccharomyces uh, cervasia. Sure. Is that is that, that how you say that, that, that word? Yeah. Okay. I think you just want it to sound like cerveza, but yeah. Well, Cer- no, no. Well, it's, Cerve- it's, it's, it's Cervices. Cervicier. I don't know. I mean, so, like, how, like Cerevisia. If you I can tell know. me how to pronounce things in Latin, you're. But <laughs> I, I, I'm I, not Catholic. I don't know. Uh, so um, yeah. So like, brewers yeast, bread yeast, and distillers yeast fall under that. Like they're that they're in that family of yeast. Right. Right. And then, uh, uh, so in any case, uh, uh, a lot of breweries, more breweries than not, use ale yeast primarily, uh, and so we can divide them into. The following, uh, so clean slash neutral, uh, and so that just I mean, basically it's like okay, I'm not getting much flavor uh, or aroma off of that particular strain. Um, <clears throat> maltier or ester producing, uh, so like that you know bread, breadier character I was talking about, or uh, esters are like banana. Is is a yep. yeah? If you look back at our last episode, mm-hmm. we uh, dove deep into esters and how they're made. Yep, ester producing, and then specialty. So I don't have a whole lot of things to say about specialty, other than it's you know it might be you know your your 
Malty or, or Esther producing, your specialty might be, um, you know, like that hybrid, that Cal Common or yeah. something like that. Um, but then if you if you roll into lager yeast, we're talking dry or crisp and then full or malty. And that's the difference between two different styles of lager is that some are dry and crisp, some are, you know, full and malty. And that's when we were talking about that L17, that Oktoberfest strain. That would be more full, malty, fat type of flavor. Um, so the the interesting part or the useful core of, of this concept is that it doesn't focus on region and style for grouping, but it it indicates the fermentation character. So it makes it a little easier to think outside the box. Um, if you look at yeast strains, that way it kind of frees you up to do something different. Um, like using, you know, a European ale yeast on an American style to just mm-hmm. kind of see. To, to lo- for know, what, what flavor profile you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good overview, Brian. Thank you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, like, so ale yeast specifically, um, what, what separates them from lager yeast is uh, top fermenting. Uh, do you want to... Like so, top fermenting is basically during fermentation the yeast flocculates, uh, or the yeast flocculants adhere to the CO two and rise to the surface of the beer, because we have like a we have, we have more of that gas escaping from the beer, mm-hmm. um, and like so lager would be bottom fermenting then yeah yep, uh, be, and so if and correct me if I'm wrong but I believe I understand the difference is the reason. Uh, loggers are bottom fermenting is because we don't have that big CO2 push that we do with ales. That's true. And then this has, I think we talked about it on the episode before, uh, but we're, there's a, a little, a little thing called selective pressure. Yes. Um, so if, if we've <clears throat> collected yeast, uh, that survived from a colder pitch, and then repitched it, then it's you know it's going to want to do that. It's it's just natural selection. So if it, okay, you know it's the same thing like when we talked about flocculation in the last episode. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, so other qualities: uh, ale yeast will ferment much faster mm-hmm. than lager yeast. Again, temperature plays a big role in that. Like right. we we talked a little bit about, and we'll talk about it more. Um, tolerates moderate alcohol levels, and then uh, survives anaerobic conditions, which is just kind of all Saccharomyces. Right. Um, all right, so uh, I kind of want to touch on top cropping, but I don't know if this is the right episode to do that. Yeah, I don't know if it is either. I mean, honestly, can, like... Can you give us, like, a you, one sentence, what is top cropping? Top cropping? Well, so if you're fermenting an ale, you've got this big... I mean, and you guys that you've brewed, I'm assuming, listeners out there, you've got this big high croisin going on, and you can crop right from that croisin and just... Croisin is the foamy bit yep. on your beer. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt like I needed to say that. Already. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely. It gives, gives it a better picture. So uh, that advantage is that you've got a, a, a nice, active um, crop of yeast, uh, super healthy. There's not a lot of trub, trub or trub, trub, trub. I always, I've always said trub. There's not a lot of trub mixed in with it. Um, unfortunately, the problem here is you're exposing the the beer to, you know, the, the stuff floating around in the air, the environment, oxygen, things like that. 
Um, but you don't, you know, you don't need to worry too much about the oxygen because generally it'll push it out. Especially, um, well, especially at high croissant. Especially there's still at high croissant, so much so. Uh, CO2 off gassing. Not a lot of breweries do the do the the, the top, top crop cropping thing. So, uh, well, it's hard to do, especially if you have like the big enclosed conicals that you guys have. Yeah, like you almost need an open fermentation there's, setup. To there's do that no in. way. Yeah. We, I mean, the dry hop port is, you know, what eight inches. Yeah, you'd have to. I don't know, I'd, have to have, I'd have to have a little scoop like your refrigerator you'd, you'd, scoop, right? Or, may oh. I borrow it? No, <laughs> it's a sad scoop. You don't want to use a sad scoop. I was just gonna say you could like smush Ethan down and shout like, "All right, scoop, Ethan, scoop." Yeah, we really should do that. <laughs> All right, um, so let's let's talk uh, classifications here. So what we're gonna talk about here is gonna do clean, fruity, hybrid, phenolic, and eccentric. Uh, kind of like what you're talking about, just broken down just a little bit more, I sure. think. Uh, so clean uh, is a yeast that produces few flavor, uh, few flavor and aroma compounds. Uh, very popular in U.S. beers. Yep, almost lager-like. Yeah, maybe I don't want to say that, but well, no, I mean very clean. Yep, like so very like. Um, it showcases the ingredients besides yeast. I would I would right. say low fruitiness, no like low fusels. Yeah, because it's just it's just a regular ass yeast. Yep, it, we're talking well, USO five Chico strain, uh, uh, WLP 001, 1056 Y yeast, ten fifty six. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ooh, my yeast. Right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I've fermented so many beers with that yeast. It's yeah, my no, favorite I, yeast. <laughs> me too. I just you know, it's like my yeast. Like, <laughs> alrighty. <laughs> Um, they usually ferment slower than some of the fruitier and esterous yes. strains, um, and they flocculate. Usually, they're they're medium flocculators, mm-hmm. high to medium, I would say. The so as clean of a strain as as Chico is, uh, if you uh, don't pay attention and and it free rises, you're you're gonna get some you're gonna get some off flavor. Sulfur, sulfur is a big uh, one. Is a big one with this, but I mean, you really have to. You really have to let it go. So if you stress it, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're talking like the probably the, the optimal temp is sixty eight degrees Fahrenheit or like what twenty degrees Celsius. So. You, I, you said what sixty eight? Sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean twenty C. Yeah, it's it, it's your standard fermentation temp. It's mm-hmm. like at least in the U.S., like it's mm-hmm. the yeast that everybody uses. Uh, like especially like if you go and pick up a homebrew kit at like Northern Brewer or. Midwest supplies the same thing now, so I don't know any other local homebrew shops, and it's kind of a bummer that the only local homebrew shops I know are national fucking homebrew Well, what are that XYZ or ZX group or whatever, they the Budweiser controlling angle? They yep, must they have, bought it. Well, no, no, they sold it. They oh, must, did they sell yeah, it? Yeah, they must have decided that they weren't getting the type of information. Oh, so Northern Brewers, who they sell it to? I don't know. No. I just read that it was that they relinquished and oh okay because I last I heard is like they bought it and yeah. then like because I remember when they bought it and Fredrickson was pissed because he worked at Northern Brewer for years and he has yeah. this axe to grind against big beer for I don't know, reasons and it yeah I don't know it's fun uh, <laughs> anyway um so examples in the, like styles that you're gonna use for this California American beers like. Um, I, I would don't think I'd put Cal Common in this, but yeah. like mm-hmm. your Chico strain, yeah, like it's that's a like um, 
This, like, and then in the book, he was talking about Scottish and European ales. I don't really see that with I, I'm going to call bullshit on that, too. Yeah. So, anyway, moving on. Fruity ales. Right, fruity. You want, you want to cover fruity? Sure. So <clears throat> they're more traditional in England. Uh, they are increasing yeah, in popularity. delicious. Uh, hugely in the United States with the hazy beer regime. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the e like the bitter craze to hit the U.S. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, Casey. Well, yeah, man. A man can dream, <laughs> Brian. A man can dream. <laughs> Just because you want to shit on it doesn't mean it's not a good dream. I'll shit all over it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it's the, in the book it notes that, you know, like, Oh, as United States consumer education improves. And it's like, well, we figured out that these juicier flavors uh, and then the, you know, the less the less flocculent stuff is what works the best for hazy IPA. And we were talking about, you know, London three a little bit ago. So these some some people consider these to be a little little less versatile um, and they're I mean, they they have more fermentation character because they will like you know like let loose these like fruitier you know, those those uh those precursors to esters exactly and, uh, um, the, the acetyl acids they can and will ferment at the same temp as clean ale strains um they leak more interesting flavors and i think i think what what i that that analogy I made, where you know yeast, they need the they'll push something out, and then pull something back in, and mm -hmm. so they'll leak these fruitier stuff. Um, you can ferment them at the same temperature, but what I've found is, you know, if you stress them a little bit, they're going to do weird things. Well, and like, you're you're going to get some diacetyl. Yep, that too, or uh, a diacetyl, depending on where in the country you are, or right. what book you've read, or what <laughs> podcast you've listened to. But yeah, fruit, the fruit, <laughs> right. Fruitier strains usually ferment and flock really quickly. So these will go a little bit more quickly than your, obviously than your lager yeast, but even more so than the USL yeast. Um, they form big chunks and they shoot all around the fermenter. Like it's really fun to watch like USO4 ferment because, you know. What uh, you do it, is you find one, one flocculent chunk that you like and you name it. And you watch it zoom around the fermenter, racing yep. all the other ones. So yeah, like in within that, and you just said this, but within the whole like you know the yeast like going too quickly, like they'll tend to like push something out of the cell, but they're they're like so busy doing something else, they won't pick it back up, and that yep. thing they won't pick up is diacetyl. So um, honey, uh, plum, citrus, tartness, depending on the strain. Uh, yeah, British, Irish, Australian, some Belgian strains. I mean, the, some of the less phenolic POF. Yeah. And so. uh, uh, and we're going off the East book that was written before um, people ruined IPAs. Yep. So hazy IPAs uh, are... This is, your, this is your huckleberry. London 3. All right. Uh, and then we have hybrid strains. Uh, so it's not hybrid species, but rather uh, it means they ferment better at cooler temperatures like a lager. So this is your... Um, like your Kolsch strain, your alt beer, your uh, California lager, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but usually, or I, nah, California steam, but that's more of a lager. Like, I don't know. Steam beer is weird because you use a lager strain, but you ferment it ale. It's a whole thing. Yeah, we're talking alt beer and Kolsch here, too. Yeah. Um, so you're looking, yeah, clean, almost lager-like beer. Uh, even when fermenting warm, the fruitiness is restrained. It's there, 
you have some of those fruity esters, but it's not like punch you in the face. Like I took a lager and fermented at 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not that. Um, they ferment slower than your fruity strains, flocculate at a medium rate, and um, they can produce trace amounts of sulfur. So again, if you stress this yeast, even if you don't, uh, because it's not fermenting at a super rapid, super rapid rate, if you don't let it like off gas enough, or if it can't, you're going to get sulfur in suspension. All right, you want to talk about the phenolic yeast, the fun one? Yes. Uh, so these are your Belgian-type ales, and then German Weizen beers, so Hefeweizen, Weizenbach, etc. So we're talking banana and clove. Um, so phenol, without getting too deep in, into it. Well, we did that last last week. Is that's the, fair. The phenolic. Right. Um, so you know what a phenol is, then. Um, the attenuation needs to be really high in these beers, and the the flocculation tends to be a lot lower, which is why it is totally acceptable for these types of beers to be hazy. So, uh, just <laughs> just a recap: attenuation is what? Um, what the how the beer? Uh, how much sugar the beer eats? And a flocculation is uh, when the yeast uh, groups together and then drops to the bottom. Okay, and how quickly that happens. So the flocculation. So if it's a low flocker, there's going to be like a bunch of stuff still up in the solution floating around because yeast cells. You know, we we don't have any idea. And we talked about this on the last episode. We don't have any idea what, why yeast flocculate. Um, we we have we have guesses. We have guesses, and you know, there's some theories, whatever. But uh, you know, at, at bare minimum, you know, like I said a few episodes ago, yeast. They need their essential vitamins and minerals. They're a eukaryotic cell, and they, you know, they need they need their, you know, food just like we do. And so these lower flockers, for whatever reason, they're lazier and they want to, or not, and not necessarily lazier, but they're just not friendly, right? They want to stay up in the solution and yeah. keep eating or keep metabolizing. They're they're that friend who it hits like four a.m. and you're like, I just need to go to bed, and they're like. Sun's coming up. Let's go see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are we working with here? Yep, uh, Belgian strains, etc. Farmhouse. Um, yeah, they produce that spicy clove, yep. fruity banana. We talked about that. Yep. Um, and that rarely. Is... So, uh, fun fact about them: rarely produce diacetyl. Right. Um, some do preserve from sulfur, but it's one of the reasons new brewers, um, Gordon accepted. I. I really push them towards doing like a half a Weizen or a Weizenbach or something, mm -hmm. uh, or not Weizenbach, but like uh, a Dunkelweizen. Yep. But yeah, dark wheat. Yeah. Uh, something something weedy and Germany first, because it's a really hard beer to get the fermentation wrong on. Right. Well, I mean, it, at, at, at the worst possible scenario, if you do... You're going to get banana bomb. You're going to get banana. If it, if it goes out of control high high temp the lower the temp the more the clove yeah it you know and honestly it depends on what you like out of it it doesn't yep. you know, well yeah so it, you're yeah but it's it's a very easy beer to build your confidence so yeah without these flavors it would not be to style and again we've said this a hundred different times p-o-f and then the plus symbol phenolic yes. off flavor positive so it's a good thing um, um yep so make sure to allow vigorous fermentation with these Yep. Uh, and allow it to complete so all of that sulfur goes away. <laughs> this is, um, oh boy, the, the term is the term is on the tip of my tongue, but 
sometimes you can you can well not some not sometimes some brewers like to cap the fermenter at the end of the fermentation to carbonate. Uh, so spunding is what it's spunding, called. Spunding, yep. Um, so you can car- you can actually trap this variety of yeast and you can carbonate it right into the in the fermenter. And there is actually El Principe Gris is a brewery in like Guatemala, and that's they only spund. They spun and then bottle off of a fermenter, and they're doing these crazy like phenolic beers, and and uh, you know it'll it will trap remaining sulfur and it won't go away. But and this also applies to like lager brewing too. But you know if the like I like you were saying these strains don't keep sulfur that much, but you still want it to flock to some degree. Otherwise, it'd be milky and gross looking, uh, kind of like hazy IPA. So. Yeah. All right, and the final ale strain that we're looking at, or ale category, is eccentric. So these are the strains that don't fit into other categories. Um, these are your, like, Belgian-style, like, earthy, barnyard, sour. I wouldn't say Bretomyces is in here, but maybe, like... Um, I feel like Bretomyces might be its own category, but a Brett blend, maybe. Well, right? Brett... It is a yeast. It is a yeast. So yeah, I, I guess we can throw bread in here, and that's where we're gonna get the barnyard so. and sour. Um, they they tend to be used more in Belgian styles, um, and they attenuate low or tend to attenuate well with low flock. So again, we're looking at kind of like where we were with the the Weizen yeast. Um, we're gonna get hazy, but we're gonna get very dry. Uh, produce a lot of esters, phenols, and fusel alcohols. We can lump uh, high gravity yeast strains in here too, because at some point, if you're not using a like a, again, we're talking about the selective pressure piece. If you don't yep. use a yeast strain that's used to the higher alcohol, the alcohol will just as it as it produces more and more alcohol, it'll just start killing the colony off. Yeah, and I think we're talking about a little bit about that next week when we dive mm-hmm. into uh, using multiple yeast strains in a single brew. Okay. Um, cause yeah, that, that's, that's a point where you'd want to like maybe take one of these eccentric, like high alcohol strains or even like a yeah. wine yeast. The book, uh, uses Chimay as a, an example of an eccentric. Um, I would say Chimay, Chimay is more, well, are they using Brett? I don't know. I know that, uh, Orval, I think they... Orval uses Brett. I don't think Brett. Chimay does. I would uh, see. I would classify the Chimay one under the phenolic. Hmm. Wouldn't you? Wait. Say it again. So Chimay yeast. Would you classify that as eccentric or phenolic? I would think phenolic. I just. I think phenolic. I'm not sure. I. I don't. Not sure that I necessarily agree with this. But that's. Well, it's know. not a Bible. It's a. It's a resource. Correct. So. All right. Um. um all right. So. Uh, quick. Uh, we're hitting forty minutes here, so we'll kind of we'll kind of burn through logger classifications yeah. pretty quick here. Uh, do you want dry or full? Uh, dry. All right, uh, I'll do a quick overview. Uh, so logger is bottom fermenting. That basically just means they're not going to do that big. You're not going to get a big crowds, and you're not going to get the big like top like blue. The uh, they're they're not flocul the flocculants aren't uh, catching those bubble rides to the top. Um, they're mostly low flocculating. Uh, they work slowly, produce fewer esters than ale strains at the proper temperatures. Um, from at, co- at cooler temperatures, so we're looking at 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 to 13 degrees C. Um, the cooler temps keep more sulfur in solution and make it harder for yeast to absorb diacetyl, which is why we do a diacetyl rest. Right, diacetyl, bleh, diacetyl rest and then the longer cold conditioning. Yep. 
All right, uh, so you're going to take dry. Talk to me about some dry yeasties. So there's, like you were saying, there's two different groups. Um, so you're going to want to pick one of the, like, crisper dry strains when you're brewing, like, the American Scandinavian and German-style type lagers. What would be a uh, Scandinavian-style lager? <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that you're there because I had the exact same question when I was reading I can this earlier. Think of German ones like Helles and Dunkel. Uh, the only Scandinavian, the only Scandinavian beer I know is known. the Sati. Or the Sati, yeah. What the hell? I don't um, know. So actually, I'm going to throw this as a question out to uh, our Scandinavian listeners, uh, Bjorn. Yeah, Bjorn, where are you at? We haven't mentioned his name the whole time here. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I feel like. <laughs> That's true. It's not an episode of Homebrew Bound if we don't mention Bjorn. God, he's like... We, uh, we pick on him, but we do appreciate it. We really do. He him, sent us so. an email this past week that was... Oh, you know, we, we both looked at each other. We were sitting at the bar, and we were like, did you get through Bjorn, and I was, Bjorn's email? And I'm like, no. I, I'm, I, I like It's a dissertation. It is. Time. I'm slowly chewing through I, it. We'll, I love it so much, we'll though. look it to you. But uh, in any case, uh, by comparison, you know, the maltier strains... Uh, you know, they've got well, more complex flavor. These drier ones often produce a beer with more salter, sulfur, more fruitiness. Uh, actually, um, the the full ones produce more sulfur and fruitiness. No, what am I? What's wrong with my? You notes? you you step you stepped into my. Well, so you're not reading my notes, which I took meticulous ones of. Oh, sorry. And <laughs> so, oh yeah, so okay, all right, got it, got it. <laughs> Refresh my screen here. Produces a drier, cleaner, crisp, uh, refreshing quality. Used for American skin. I already said all that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh uh, yeah. So basically, full uh, is is the second category in lagers. Um, maltier, rounded, more complex flavor. Uh, you would use this for your your Dunkels, your Oktoberfest, your yeah. your Meritsons. Yeah. Um, so your your bullshit organic uh, yeast is, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's is sake. somewhere in here. Um, but yeah, so we're looking at uh, more sulfur production, slight fruitiness. Um, Brian, you might know this one. Is there a way if so? Beer's still in like the bright tank or whatever. You taste it, and there's still a ton of sulfur in it. Is there any way to no? No, you you're can't. Fucked. You can't like run CO two through it or something to try to off gas some of that sulfur. No, you're just boned. Yeah, that sucks. It really doesn't want to go away. You've oh. already cold crashed it in the fermenter before you transferred it to the bright. So. Okay. All right. So if it's in the fermenter and you taste it, and there's too much sulfur. Is there? Can you just try to wait it out, or are you kind of yeah, screwed? Yeah. If you haven't cold crashed it, yeah. If you haven't cold crashed, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I wasn't sure. I I don't know when yeah. I. So I I'm very very sketchy on the because I'm a home brewer, which is why I shouldn't be a pro brewer. Like. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> no, we're not going to hit that yet. That's that's a whole different episode. That's that that'll be for a two hundredth. <laughs> There's no money in brewing. <laughs> That's honestly the reason I've never pursued it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many guys I know that went into it with the you know best intentions and whatever, but then are now all going back to their like engineering and computer jobs to get their six-figure salaries back. Right. Well, also, I yeah, well that again, that's an entire different. That might be a better homebrew bound discussion anyway, or maybe it'd be a good one here. Yeah, we know. could do like a month of month of like pro brewer talk. That could be fun, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. We should get out of here because we got another episode of recording. All right, guys. Um, is there anything else you want to add on yeast classification? 
No, if you guys, as usual, if you have questions or if we got something wrong, holla. All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, yeah, questions, comments, show ideas, what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindestudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindestudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And see you guys next week. Peace.